0: When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. On that day, you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, If you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but will tell you plainly of the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name. I do not say to you, that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world again. I am leaving the world and am going to the Father. His disciples said, yes, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? The hour is coming indeed. Indeed it has come. When you will be scattered each one to his home and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you, Face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Amen.
1: Off to a good start. I've got my PowerPoint working. Excellent. Elizabeth, well done. So, the last uh, number of weeks, we've been uh, thinking along the paradox of faith that. we have lots of questions. John alluded to that in his call to worship at the beginning. And the Gospel of John is particularly um, metaphorical in style. So the four Gospels, and John is the most image-related, I think. And so when we read this book, it, uh, you know, can be a bit tricky to fit it all together, so even as Raymond was reading. It's, uh, you know, how does it really land? And Gospel of John, John the Evangelist, uh, presents Christ, I have noted here, as the elusive Christ. That, you know, you'll notice, you remember the Gospels, that Jesus will be there, he'll be talking, then there'll be some trouble, and then he will, like, slip away in the crowd. He'll just sort of, doesn't say where he went, somehow he just managed to leave or you know he's always talking in parables and stories so here there's a point where the disciples are saying oh now 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 finally you're, you're talking clearly I can I can get that but they don't really get it so there's that kind of language of, of uh, Christ being elusive and today we look at particularly this idea of descent and descent. we have talked about others pain and happiness uh, Joy, sorrow, those kinds of themes, death, life. We've looked at how we hold all of those. That's the idea of paradox. So today we're looking at John 16, and we're going to look at the second half of that chapter, and we're actually going to go backwards, all right? So just to kind of really mix it up, we'll do that. We'll start with the third part of it and then work our way back in the text. So we'll start at the end of the John 16 to 30, particularly I want to look at verse 28. But anyway, here we go. I have said these things to you in figures of speech so that's what we've been saying this is Christ speaking the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures but will tell you plainly of the Father on that day you will ask in my name I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God I came from the Father and have come into the world again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. We're gonna look at that a little bit deeper, verse 28. His disciples say, okay, yes, now you are speaking plainly. Okay, so they get something, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this we believe that you came from God, right? So we, we read that in English. And we can hardly stay with it, right? We can hardly keep our focus for seven or eight lines. It's just we're wondering where it's going. So the disciples, they're a little bit there as well. So I have been speaking figuratively. So I think we have to hold on to that. There is a dimension of this reality in our spiritual lives. It is not clear-cut at every turn, right? We we know that because we don't feel it at every turn. We have challenges, and we don't know what the answer is, and we have to kind of make our way through gray, muddy waters. That's that's your reality and mine. We don't know exactly at every turn what's happening in life generally. And we might like to think that we could know it all spiritually and how it all will be, but we, we know in our own hearts that we hold our own questions. Whatever your theology is, you hold questions. You do not have an answer to everything. In your own heart you know that. So we have to hold that reality and Jesus speaks this way as he speaks in paradox. So I have been speaking figuratively. The whole gospel of John is about that. So we have to think in terms of okay, can I continue in my faith when I don't know exactly how it all is? I don't see 100% clearly. I Paul says, I look into a mirror, but it's it's fuzzy. I've been speaking figuratively. But the Father himself loves you. That's a great line. When John is using Father, patros, that's, that's the word Christ says in Aramaic, Abba. Abba himself loves you. So with all of your questions and all the stuff that you don't know, the Father himself loves you. The creator of the universe loves you. Knows your name. Loves you. That's a beautiful statement. So can we hold that truth in our heart? And amidst my questions, amidst, you know, amidst my challenges, health challenges, finance challenges, church challenges, relationship challenges, the Father himself loves you. Abba and then agape, he loves you. Can we go together and hang on that? You know, that's a beautiful statement. And I'm starting at the end and working back, because this statement here, I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. This is the statement that the disciples say, ah, now you are speaking plainly. Of all the chapter here, this is the clearest statement. It's what's known as a chiastic statement, where you have an A statement and a B And then a B repeats back to the A. So I came from the Father A. Father is Abba. I came from Abba, A. And I'm coming to the world. World is B. Then it repeats that. Now I'm leaving the world, B. I'm going back to Father A. A, B, B, A. That framework, that structure is used a lot in the the Gospels generally. and, And John uses it. So this is the statement that the disciples say, I get it right now, so if that's the case, we need to sit with it just a little bit. I came from the Father, this is Jesus saying. I came from the Father. I came from Abba. And it's interesting, the Greek languages has all kinds of tenses that we don't even have in English. So it's, a, it's very specific. It's one of the beauties of it, you get into it, it says a lot. I came from the Father is an aorist tense and what it means is I came at a moment in time at a very specific moment in time. I came from the Father. That's the story of the incarnation. That's the story of of Christmas. We're we're not far from Christmas. We're going to be looking at it. The incarnation I came from the Father in a moment of time. In a kairos moment, Jesus says, I came from the Father. Now, we don't know what that was before for Jesus. I came from the Father. What was that relationship? Jesus is saying, I came from the Father. Okay, he breaks into our world. A babe born in Bethlehem. All right, number A. And I have come into the world. World is cosmos, world is the physical world but it is also the world of culture, our physical world, Tierra, and culture. Recently we were down at the AGO and you go in there and they have all these exhibits, they had an exhibit was I was interested in, of religious art, mystical art from South America, interesting. And so they had all these works collected showing how mystical thought, particularly Christianity, has been portrayed in South America over the years. This is culture. The beautiful world of culture. Listening to Mozart, listening to Mendelssohn or wherever, or listening to the praise songs, that's culture. Jesus says, I came from the world and have come into... I came from the Father and have come into the world. Second tense, perfect. We don't have this one in English. I have come into the world means past tense, but with ongoing impact and effect. I have come into the world, came and come. And the ongoing impact of that still goes on. I came from the Father and have come into the world. The presence of the Son ongoing basis, now through the Holy Spirit. Interesting. Then he flips it. I'm leaving the world. I'm going to the Father. So what is the point about that when we put it all together? His disciples say, yes, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. They hear something in verse 28 that strikes them. So the whole thing is it talks about the cosmic journey of Christ. Christ, eternal, the Christ, with the Father, the Holy Family, together. We have to imagine that. Can you imagine that in any way? I remember the film, The Shack, and the film, The Shack, as an overall film, I wouldn't say it's brilliant, but I like certain parts of it, and one of it is the, how they present the Holy Family, the Trinity. The father is presented as an African-American matriarchal mom, a mom. She's the father, African-American, matriarchal, charge. This is the mom. The son is a 30ish Persian young guy, robust, energetic. That's the son. And the the Holy Spirit is an Asian woman, millennial, maybe ages early 20s. That's the Holy Family. Interesting, right? We wouldn't probably think of it that way, but that's how the writer presents it. And as they are together, there's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of interactions between the three of them. That's, That's... the Trinity, as presented in that book. So Jesus comes from the dynamic of the Holy Trinity and comes into our world, and the whole point of it we're going to see is he descends to give birth to his children. The whole point of the cosmic journey of Christ, as John the Evangelist reveals it, is that people will come to know the Father in love. That's the whole cosmic journey. That's revealed to us. That's a lot of effort to come so that you and I might be able to say yes to God and know God. Not just as creator, but know him personally, relationally. From the evangelist perspective, that is what it's all about. So can you and can I, in the midst of all of our hassles, whatever they might be, understand that God loves you and comes to know us in Christ? That there's incredible value in that. I don't know what, you know, like, what, what's... The, the next universe, all about right in the world outside our, out of our planet. Who was the guy? Who was the guy? Who was Captain of the uh, Star Trek? No, before that, Kirk. And what was his name? Who was Kirk? Really, as an actor, Shatner. Did you hear the story? Shatner went up into, <laughs> into orbit in a rocket recently, right? And he goes up there, and he has that experience. So, you know, there's not many people on planet Earth who have done that, right? There's just a handful of civilians who have done that. He goes up, and what impresses him is the astounding depth and darkness and emptiness and black space that's there. And you know what? He found it scary. He found it frightening. Looking back at the planet, you see light. And looking out there, you see nothing but empty space. And he found it frightening. So much so, apparently, that when he landed back on Earth, he started crying. They were wondering why he he was crying. Because he was saying, man, I'm back. You have no idea what it's like out there. So what's the point? The point is God has come in Christ to speak to us that we might know who this one is. And ultimately, you know, this age is going to end. I've been looking at Matthew 24 this week and Jesus says, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise up against nation. And then not only that, kingdom will will rise up against kingdom, which is bigger than nation against nation. I find that interesting. In the last days, whatever that is, you will hear about wars and rumors of wars, and you will hear about nation fighting nation, and you will hear about kingdom fighting kingdom. Well, you know what, we're going on a little bit right now with Russia and all that against the West is a little bit to me like sounding like kingdom, against kingdom. We have no idea where all that ends, right? But God in his wisdom wants to create a laos of God, children of God. What role do we have eventually? You and I have no idea. But God is going to a whole lot of effort to create a people. One day, how is all that going to work out? I think there's way more to this story than we know. And God has come that you and I might be children of God. That's that's what this is about. The whole cosmic journey is to create a people of God, as far as the evangelist says. That's pretty massive. So that's where John begins. I came from the Father, came into the world, now I'm leaving the world, returning to the Father. So that's pretty cool. I, I, I personally, I think that's very cool. That's where he begins. Disciples say, ah, now we, we're beginning to get it a little bit. So go on to the second unit. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. Get this, when a woman in his labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So the story backs up, backs up from what God is doing to us in Christ, and now there's one of these images. In the image of this whole new people of God is a feminine image of a mom giving birth to a child. And here is another example of how Christianity is not just masculine. Remember I mentioned that a little while ago, that right at the heart are these feminine images of God. The writer is saying, John is saying, look, here's an image of what it's like it's all about. A mom gives birth to a child. There is pain, but the pain gives way to joy. And that's gonna be like our relationship in God as we come to know him as children. Feminine image of who God is and what he's doing for us in Christ. Pain and joy. We can relate to that one. We have pain. And at times we have joy. And they can be juxtaposed almost in the same minute. You can have pain and then you can have joy. I remember as a little kid down on Withrow Avenue we were playing and we, somehow we had a puppy and I'm chasing the puppy. And the puppy runs out on the street. And I run out after it and run right into a car. Lucky enough the car was, came to a screeching halt, and I didn't hit the bumper. It didn't hit me. I ran right into the side of the car. Boom! Knocked me down. In that moment, it hurt. My hands hurt. About Frankie's age, violent age. Ran into it. But then there was a bit of happiness as my friends gathered around me and said, Well, that was close. And then I'm trying to explain, Well, I was chasing this puppy. Nobody cared. And the guy is looking at me. who's driving the car. Just... He was driving a big Studebaker, Liv. He loved Studebakers. And he had, the, he had the style of pressing the gas, and then letting it glide. I remember that. Press, glide, press, glide. He'd do that all the way up and down the street. I thought it was a weird way to drive a car. That's how he drove his Studebaker. I ran into the side of it. That's just a little memory. I wasn't planning on telling that story, but it's an interesting one. My pain and joy, that's the point of what's going on here. The imagery of pain, the imagery of joy, we experience that, you experience that, no doubt. And the disciples, they're experiencing it. Because they know something's going on with Christ. What's going to happen to him? They don't think it's going to go well in Jerusalem, right? And they're right. It doesn't from their perspective. So I think, and I note here, the dark night of the soul. This, this story talks about our pain, talks about our sorrow. And that is part not just of our physical reality, it's part of our spiritual reality. That we will all experience in our lives somewhere the dark night of the soul. That's a phrase from John of the Cross. We will. And you will. Life may have gone beautifully for you right now, and you can't see that. One day you will experience it. We all experience the dark night of the soul. Where we feel, where is God? God seems absent. Where the heck are you? Prayers go up. They seem to hit the ceiling. Just come down. Where are you? One day. Maybe you've already experienced that. Maybe you haven't, but it will happen. Dark night of the soul. It's part of our spiritual journey. It's part of coming to a sense of maturity in Christ. You have to go through the pain, which is the descent. You see, it's a paradox. There is that descent. Definite. But then there is the ascent. So that, that John is saying, hold on to that image because it's an important one. John of the Cross talks about St. Anthony. St. Anthony was the father of the whole monastic movement. And Anthony is so fed up with his spiritual meanderings up, down. guy's a monk, and he's still thinking like this, where is this going? And he decides he's going to go into a cave, and he's not coming out of that cave until something happens. I will connect with God, or I'll never, ever come out of that cave. He goes into the cave This is St. Anthony. Of course, all of his friends are thinking, like, this is a bit crazy. Come on. If you and I did that, people would be saying you're crazy. My great-grandfather was a hermit. He went up and lived in a cave on Cave Hill outside of Belfast in the hills. Belfast is surrounded by hills. He ended his life as a hermit in a cave. Interesting. What was he running away to get there? I don't know. Well, I do know a little bit, but he did that. Anthony goes in to this cave. His friends decide, well, we better at least bring food to him and water, and we'll leave it outside at the cave door, and, and he'll get it. We're inside the cave a little bit. But anyway, the point being, that was his dark night of the soul, you see what I mean? And he fought with all kinds of demons. He writes about it later in his mind, all these demons. And finally, he breaks through. Father of monasticism, parent of monasticism. So this story, I believe, talks about that because this is the imagery. Your dark night, my dark night. So if you're in a hard time, and if it seems to go on for quite a while, maybe you think about that a little bit. There may be something going on in that that is part of your spiritual journey, and you need to reflect and sit with it. As painful as it is. Wasn't very it ha- wasn't a nice time for Anthony. You can read, you can check him out. So then we go on. Image of giving birth. I think I'm stuck here, Elizabeth. Can you go to the next one? Why would I be? Okay, keep going. Thanks. <laughs> let me read these two texts. Well, you can, but now I am going. Okay, go back. Oh, me, I got it again. Went to sleep. But now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask. We're backing up. We're almost finished. Where are you going? But because I have said these things to, your, to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus is saying, for if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Starts, I've come from the Father, Abba, and coming to you. Second, there's the imagery of birth, pain, and joy, birth. Now he pushes up and he says, I'm going away, but I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So now we have A, B, B, A, and now another B. Jesus will send the Holy Spirit. Jesus will ascend. The disciples will experience pain. Jesus will send the comforter, the advocate in the NRSV, the counselor in the NIV. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the presence, the presence of Jesus with us. So Jesus is always with us. Jesus says it's better that I go because if I send the Spirit to you then He will be with you. He will be in you, with you at every turn of the events. With you even through the dark night of the soul. The Spirit will be with you which is the presence of Jesus. That's the Spirit. Father, Son, Spirit. Imagine the family. The three are involved in this story. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Counselor, the Comforter will be with you. So we're to, you know, to rejoice on that reality. Pentecostal communities generally really hang on to this one. The Holy Spirit is with you, with me. They hang on to that one. We don't always hang on to it so well, and we should. Jesus is with us. So the point here is our birthing is in the heart of the Trinity. I like that. The entire Trinity of God, Father, Mother, Son, Spirit, Spirit, are all involved in your salvation, are all involved in you coming as a child of God. The whole family is involved for you and for me. It's so important that the whole Trinity are engaged with you and me. So I know that sounds, you know, what, what does all that mean? But you go home and sit about it. What does that mean for you? The Father, the Mother, the Son, the Spirit, are involved in your new life in Christ because it's so important. And Jesus ends by saying, I have overcome the world, so be courageous and be strong as you go forward. The Spirit is with you. The Spirit is with me. The whole family, the Trinity, are involved in your salvation. Now, back to square one, back to day one here, the ground of being in your life and my life. Take courage and know that I have overcome the world. Take courage. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, rumors of that in the news cycle. You will even hear about kingdom against kingdom. But you know what the text says? But the end is not yet. I like that. But the end is not yet. These are the beginning of the birth pains, Matthew 24. So, with all the sounds of nuclear destruction and everything else, Matthew the evangelist says, But the end is not yet. You will hear about all this kingdom against kingdom. That's the beginning. Be courageous. What does that mean for you and for me? Be courageous. You are an overcomer in Christ. I like that, overcomers. We are overcomers because Christ is the overcomer. Be courageous. What you are facing, be courageous. Be fortified in the Spirit. You can handle it. He's with you. That's that's the imagery of John 16. The descent and the ascent. And then the descent through the Holy Spirit. All that up and down reality that is true to life. True to us as a congregation. We've been going for how long? 115 years, I think. There's been a lot of descending and ascending over the years. Be courageous, be strong. In Christ's name, amen, we'll sing some songs.